Have you ever had the experience where you wake up and your phone's had a software upgrade? Well, what happens when that's your kid? They arise from a nap and, whoa, suddenly they've got advanced concepts coming out of their mouths like they're Carl Sagan. And how do you introduce your new partner to your ex and your kids? We're taking your questions all on this week's Dad Pod. This is Dad Pod. I'm Washington Ginsburg. That's Charlie Clawson. This Hello. is a podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. And boy, dadding this week is amazing. You've actually come up with a word for what I, I just described to you before we got on air, and you went, oh, and you used a word that makes perfect sense. Yeah, not, not a word that I invented, but it is a common vernacular amongst uh, parents of toddlers, as I've, I've discovered, which is the period of the three-nager. Moving out of the terrible twos, which I must admit was pretty good. We didn't really have a terrible twos. I know it was pretty great and charming. But in the last month, she's really developed an attitude. <laughs> and I was talking to my mate whose daughter is a couple of years older. And he was like, oh, yeah, three-nager. That was the toughest period for us. Like their daughter went through uh, twos pretty well, but then they just hit three and everything becomes about testing boundaries and just yeah. refusal of everything. Well, not just – I don't know what you find with Wolfie, but it's – it, it is the unpredictability <laughs> of the response. So the thing that they loved yesterday is now something that they hate. The thing that they wanted to do half an hour ago is something that they refuse to do now. And you're just like, how do I negotiate with this terrorist? <laughs> What's been happening this week with Iona that, that has put you in such a pickle? It's just everything, really. Like, it, it, I mean, we've talked in the past about how when it's just me and her, it's, it's actually okay. But when mum is around, I become like the second-class citizen. And it's yeah. to the point where I feel like my involvement in a situation, for example, one morning she woke up grisly and she came through into the bedroom and she jumped into bed and Jem had been up late working on a treatment, so she was quite tired. And so I was like, well, I'll just get up and I'll make breakfast and I'll get Iona to come with me. But she would not leave mum alone she would oh, not yeah. get off mum and yeah you know i'm trying to do that thing where you're whispering because mum's still dozing and you're like come on this mm-hmm. is like that you know and i'm offering every incentive yeah. under the sun we got blocks we got breakfast we got let's go into the yard we got we're gonna go for a bike right all these kind of things and nothing is working and then like my mere presence seemed to aggravate her like i really got a glimpse into the future of what it's going to be like when she is a teenager, because it was like, Dad, you are so annoying. Dad, like I'm trying to pull faces. I'm trying to, you know, yeah. make her laugh. I'm bringing out books from her bedroom. Like all, all, try, do, all doing this like a silent movie, by the way, because I don't want to wake Gemma yeah. up. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's just like everything. There, There is no path of least resistance. Everything <laughs> is the path of most resistance. Oh, that's so tough. <laughs> that's so, that is so tough. And I know, I know exactly what you're talking about because it really is the – it's having to take yourself out of that situation as, for a second and try to understand, oh, they're setting boundaries. That it, It's now – it's trying to slowly move into their own sense of self, you know, trying to push themselves away from one of us so they can, you know, be more of them – by themselves and i guess dad's the easier one to separate from you know because mom yeah. is a place of safety more than than dad often not always but often yeah. wolf is definitely that at the moment he how do i how do i put this the way the way that his his refusal is going it's no longer just no he is right up there with saul goodman or lionel hutz <laughs> he is 
such an extraordinary solicitor that if he was representing me in some kind of case against a gigantic media conglomerate in a defamation that, you know, they'd printed some shit about me, I'd be like, fine, you can write that stuff. Meet my lawyer. It's Wolfie. <laughs> and the clauses and subclauses and trigger points and, well, you did say that this was going to happen before that, but that happened now. So I guess we're going to watch Octonauts. And you're like, yeah. Fuck, I did. You got me. <laughs> you know, we said that the, yesterday he woke up from a nap. He, he sometimes goes down from a nap. And you know, if you have a kind of a more modern phone, unlike my mate, I've got a buddy who is such a stickler. He just hates technology, right? He, we've all we've got one guy, right? And yeah. he hates technology so much. His phone, he started to have to putting a rubber band around it because it was puffing up. Oh, my phone's puffing up. So yes, your phone's puffing up because there's a leak in the battery and <laughs> the lithium ion is getting exposed to oxygen. It's either going to explode in your pocket or catch on fire. Yeah, it's going to be all right for a little while. The screen's starting to crack a bit. It's like, fucking throw it away. <laughs> so if you have a more modern phone than him, you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and it says, oh, I upgraded software last night. Oh, cool. And then, woo, mm. I can now send emoji of a flying poo. Hooray. Wolfie had a nap yesterday, Charlie, and he woke up. Uh, the same kid he was two hours before, and Audrey and I just looking at him, going, "Jesus fucking Christ, we've gone to Pentium one to Pentium five. Like in the blink of an eye, he's just just become this different kid, and that just makes the solicitor vibe go even more intense. He's going to be on a billboard. I don't think he's going to be no win, no fee. I think he's going to be more of the <laughs> he'll be more of the guy that you call when it's two in the morning and you've kind of got yourself in trouble in some sort of way. I don't know, say you're a sports person and you're out and about and you're with about 10 people and you were just there when something went down and you're like, I'm going to need to get on the phone. Wolf would be like, I'll be there in five minutes. And yeah, I mean, he's literally Mr. Wolf from Pulp Fiction. He's the guy you get in to clean up your mess. <laughs> My name's Winston Wolf. I solve problems. May I come in? <laughs> I mean, do you, have you found also with this kind of like jump in attitude and, and everything that it is accompanied by like a more sophisticated understanding of like concepts and language. Like that's the thing that like sometimes Iona will bust open like a Shakespearean soliloquy in the morning. Like she's just running words together, like whole sentences. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but she started using sarcasm, which yeah. like I try my hardest not to laugh when she busts it out. But because uh, it's one of the rare instances where it doesn't happen to me, but like Jen will be like, have you had enough to eat? And she's like, yes. And Jen would be like, are you sure? And she's like, yes, I've had enough. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> part of me is delighted. The other part of me is like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's. I know exactly what you're saying because he's using those extra concepts of, of reality. And yeah, I guess when they're little, there's only now and not now. You know, yeah. and, and is there a concept of time and place that, and object permanence and things that exist outside of now expand their ability to then go, aha, so when we get there, I know this is going to happen. So if I ask for this now, I know that when I get there, ice cream. So yeah. he's putting all this stuff together and then he just ties us in knots and we're painted into a corner and like, okay, I guess you'll have an ice cream now because we've, yeah. we've got nowhere to go. We've been outthought by a three-year-old. Isn't it amazing too, like the way that you can get outgunned by this person <laughs> who's been on the earth for, in Iona's case, like less than three years, but it, it's that combination of the grip they have over your heart <laughs> combined right. with your yeah. 
natural instinct as a parent to want to protect and guide. So it's like they have a lot of leverage. I mean, I think to use your uh, lawyer analogy, like they're going into every negotiation with a shit ton of leverage. They have all the hand. Yeah, all the hand. And <laughs> look, if there's anything that we can get out of it, Charlie, maybe it's like, I'm proud of you. I mean, his big sister's the same. Georgia is the same and was the same when from the, the youngest of ages when she was negotiating sleepovers and how many kids were coming over. It's like, well, you only know how to be this because A, you are feeding off of what we are giving you as far as language goes and you feel supported enough to challenge your situation and you're reflecting the people around you. So if you feel strong enough to challenge us in this particular way and you're smart enough to do this way, then... God, job well done, honey. I mean, we're cooked. We mm. can't do anything. We're stuck. We're going to have to give him an ice cream while he watches Octonauts before lunch because that's what we told him was going to happen. Yeah. But good on you, buddy. <laughs> when Jem was away, because it was mostly good, like things were mostly okay. I had Jem's dad and Iona, so I was sort of really running the house for two people because, yeah. you know, he's visiting. He doesn't know his way around where we live, all that kind of stuff. So I sort of really had two responsibilities going. But I think generally the help was great. Like he was – uh, Rog was good enough to be able to like, mind Iona for an hour at a time so I could get to a yeah. doctor's appointment or get to the shops, whatever I needed to do. Then he left. And so I had a week where it was just Iona and I. And I'd say 90% of it was was good. And then there'd just be these flashpoints. And like for some reason, bath time and bedtime became this huge yeah. issue. Like bedtime's always been a bit of a struggle. Getting her to go to sleep's always been a bit of a struggle. But now she's introduced bath time as being something she hates, which – there, there is no inciting incident to make bath time. It's just she just decided she doesn't like bath time. And so yeah. there was one night where we were standing at the edge of the full bath that I was, and I'm like, kid, come on. And she's like, no. And so I just completely was like, all right. And I just like put the clothes down and I just literally dunked her in like she was in one of those like carnival games. I just dunked her into the water, gave her a quick wipe down and, and she was screaming her head off. And I remember sort of just like taking her to bed, giving her her bottle and just sitting on the edge of the bed and just being like, I don't know that I'm good at this. Like, I don't know that. I mean, if this is my default is that I forcibly dunk my child into the bath to get a, I mean, am I doing a good job? Like, you is, are, is, is, look, is, Charlie, I'm going to tell you right now, because everyone listening is going to tell you the same answer. You are good at this. <laughs> and every single person listening has done that. Because you've <laughs> got to remember, you're the adult. They are a child with an undeveloped brain. Their ability to know when to start and stop things doesn't work properly yet. Their ability to get fixated on things is is beyond their own comprehension. And sometimes you just have to go, right, you need to get clean before we go to bed and this is going to happen. I'm going to run with the screaming for a little while, but I know it's going to be okay. And ultimately, I'm going to show you that it will be okay after this moment that we will downregulate and we will be calm and we'll be safe and warm and cuddled again. But this has got to happen. Eventually, you just got to do it and deal with the screaming. What do you feel about, there's a a pediatrician online, I'm not sure if you follow her, called uh, Dr. Becky Goodside. And she does a lot of like Instagram posts and videos. And and she's a big advocate of the sort of empathy approach, which is that, you know, when a child's sort of having some kind of tantrum or having some kind of like unreasonable resistance to something that your approach needs to be from one of like empathizing with the child saying like i understand you're frustrated i understand and then because what that's what the kid is looking for is some kind of recognition of their distress in order to get into it like i see jem do that really well like if iona's been unreasonable she's not going to get dressed for daycare jem's really good at sitting on the couch 
giving her a cuddle and then talking through, look, I understand you don't want to go. You think you don't yeah. want to go, but, but it's like, I don't know if it's the male brain or if I just have a, a, a shorter patience, but I'm just like, yeah. oh, I find it hard to empathize when you're driving me fucking mental. I just go back to my, my Oracle for fatherhood and that is bandit healer. Bandit Healer, if I've watched 155 episodes of Bluey, in 112, when one of the kids is frustrated, Bandit says, I know you do, mate, but we've got to go. That's it. Man. And I take my lead from Dave McCormack. That's what I do. We we totally, I mean, look, I, we've talked enough about Bluey on this show, but we have totally utilized, there's the episode, uh, The Wagon, where they get up early and Bandit takes them to the park and Bluey keeps interrupting. Oh, and mate, so, what are you on the weekend with to put your hand on my knee? I know. Put your hand, oh, my God, it's the best. We did it last night and it worked. Like, yeah. just put your hand on my arm and when I'm ready to talk to you, I'll touch your hand and then you can ask your question. Yep. Fuck, it's good. <laughs> I, I'm so grateful to Joe Brum. Like, I, I can't tell you. I'm sure he knows. Listen, we actually have a lot of questions to get through today, Charlie. Yeah, and- we do. Yeah, we, we put the call out uh, for uh, questions on email. You can always ask us uh, a question on email at dadpodgram or askdadpod at gmail.com. And we've got a couple to get through. And look, I don't know how we'll do, but at <laughs> least we can offer you some empathy. Yeah. <laughs> we understand how you feel listening to this yeah. episode. Osh, if people want to get in touch with the pod, they can at askdadpod at gmail.com or they can go to dadpodgram and send us a message. They can slide into I always feel like gross saying slide into our DMs because that doesn't that sort of suggest some kind of booty call when you're saying slide into our, Look, wow. this is a show about parenthood where two happily married men do not slide into our DMs. Shoot us a DM. If you have a question. Drop what? us a DM. Drop me a DM. Drop us a DM. Drop yeah, me that's a DM. better. <laughs> that's much more platonic. Drop into our DMs <laughs> and send us a message. Look, we may not have uh, uh, we may not have the answers, but we're willing to discuss your questions. Michael actually got in touch with us. Uh, he uh, said, "Hey guys, just discovered the podcast. I really love it. Thanks, Michael. My question for the podcast is: How does a single dad navigate the introduction of a new partner with the ex-wife and the family? I have a three and a one-year-old, and want my new partner to be included in family events, but I'm keen for some advice. Cheers. Well, Osh, you've lived this. I have. Uh, now, so let me just get the family structure right. He's the single dad. Single dad with a new partner. I can only go off what Audrey modelled. Now, I've, I have been the single guy meeting – I mean, look, let's be honest. If you're dating after the age of 40, you're going to be dating women with kids. That's just what happens, okay? So I have been the guy who has met people I've been dating. I've been meeting their kids. And sometimes way too early for either of us or anybody to be comfortable and mm. sometimes really excellently. And I can only say what worked really well was the way that Audrey did it. You know, I asked her about her daughter, Georgia, and we were together, I think, probably maybe two months or three months, but time was was a good factor, but also time was important because Audrey basically put the cards on the table right. and she says, look, I'm not, I'm not going to introduce my daughter to someone who's just going to go. And at the time I was living overseas, so I'm not going to introduce my daughter to someone who's just going to go, all right? She's yeah. had... She's had that happen before and it was no good. So I only will introduce her to somebody who is serious about what it would be to be with me. And to be with me means, you know, we're not just dating. I'm not here for someone who's just going to be around and then and then go when the next match on Tinder shows up or whatever. That's not what I'm here for. That's not her words, but it was 
essentially that's along those lines yeah Yeah. along those lines she goes if you're interested in a relationship and making a life with me and a kid in your life then you can show me that and when you've shown me that essentially i'm just paraphrasing but it was like along those lines and that made it safe for not only me to meet georgia uh whom i met first in the company of her parent of her grandparents so the first time I met Georgia was with her grandparents around. So that was super stable. It was Audrey. It was Georgia's mum and dad and Georgia. So I was in the, the minimum population of strangers, you know. So Georgia was, it was in their house. So Georgia felt really safe and really calm and really supported. And when, what that also did is it meant that not long after that, I would say probably maybe a month, maybe six weeks later, I met Georgia's dad. We drove down to Canberra and I met Georgia's dad. And that was really important. Again, that was in, you know, Georgia's in a familiar place. She's with familiar people, her mum and dad, and me, and we, we all sat down and had dinner together. And that, that's what I would say to you, mate. It would be wait until, because ultimately you want to be careful that your kids aren't going to think that or when we meet these people, we don't know how long they'll stay for. The right now they're needing stability and they need predictability. And that's fine. If you just want to be, you know, dating people and you've been together for a long time with your ex and you just want to go and oh, take a breath and kind of go exploring, fine, but don't introduce those people to your kids because those kids need stability and they need to know that when they come to your house that there's predictability. And that's super, super, super important. Uh, so it's fine. Just wait for the person that you think you're going to be with or feels like they're going to be there for a while. And ultimately, that'll be far safer than for your ex-partner to feel comfortable with the kids going coming around to your place as well. And I imagine, like, I'm not sure what uh, the state of uh, Michael's relationship is with his ex, but I, I imagine that is the starting point, right? With the, as you talk to your ex before you even like broach it with the kids and say, "Listen, I'm seeing someone. I think you know this is pretty yeah. serious. I would really like to introduce her." So. I imagine that would be the best way to is to do it in partnership with your ex, as in oh, like yeah. let's work out the best way to do this for the kids, as opposed to one side versus the other. Like let's, as a friend of mine, a producer once said, the best way to get anyone on side is to put your hands out and say like, how can we make this work? <laughs> yeah. And that's really what you're saying is you're going in to say, look, I want this to work. You know, I care about you. I care about the kids. I want to make this the safest possible environment. So how do we make this work? Yeah. And ultimately the first five years of those kids' lives, like it or not, Michael, they write the rule book for how they approach the rest of their lives. And one and three, mate, those are years when they need nothing but predictability, stability, and to know that everything's going to be okay. All right. I know you want your new partner to be a part of their lives, but you're just going to have to be sure that they are on board with how you and your ex-parent, they can't have a completely different way. They can't be the wicked mm. stepmother. Like they have to be aligned. It's like when you get the kids' grandparents on board with, actually, no, we don't smack them anymore. You're just going to, you know, you have to get people aligned with how you do it. And you have to make, as Charlie said, you've got to make your ex feel that it's going to be safe for them to come around. And that might mean, you know, giving them some parenting books if they've not got kids of their own. It might mean showing them some accounts online, some uh, Instagrams or some videos and stuff around parenting that you and your ex-partner have have been through. But it also might mean, mate, it also might mean that dad doesn't have a partner, well, as far as they know, for a couple of years. It might mean that this new partner isn't in their kids' lives, those kids' lives for a couple of years until they're a bit more ready. That's what it might mean. I mean, I think about Iona, who's as, almost as old as Michael's eldest, and I don't even know that she would be able to grasp the concept of what was going on, like in terms of like, you're not explaining that, you know, this is 
daddy's new mummy or whatever like yeah, language yeah, you would yeah. use. I think like even because Iona has a ton of aunties and uncles and you know a few of them have come to visit this year and we've gone to visit them and she understands that there are these adults in her orbit and she just accepts what we present in front of her which is like oh this is your auntie you know she but she doesn't understand like you know her auntie katie my sister she still hasn't quite grasped the concept of you know i am bingo to her bluey you know that we're related that we're brother and sister she right. just knows there's another adult that we have said oh, this is an adult you can be safe around. This is an adult that you yeah. can trust, you know? Yeah. There's plenty of resources out there, mate. And as Charlie said, you just got to, right now, it's not about you. It's not about your ex. It's making sure those kids are safe. And as long as you make all your choices and all your decisions around making sure those kids are safe and there's stability there, you guys are going to be fine. I've got another bit of mail here. This is from Jenna. Hi, dads. My husband and I both love your podcast. And I'm wondering if you'd consider doing an episode about the transition from one to two kids especially what it's like from the dad's perspective or any tips. We have number two on the way in less than two months and my husband's freaking out a bit how <laughs> we manage with two kids under two. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for writing in, Jenna, and, and uh, I'm glad you guys enjoy the podcast. I, I wonder if that's Jenna and her husband, the first couple that listened to our show. I don't know if anyone's written in saying that, you know, that's incredibly romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Someone stopped me at the bike park the other day saying, I listened to your podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, the parents are on with Charlie. Oh, cool. She goes, yeah, I'll send it to all my my husband's mates who are idiots. Oh, <laughs> Did it's I like, tell you? This and you'll figure out what to do. A friend of mine was on a date with a guy, like a first or second date, like early on. And, um, you know, she's sort of in her mid-30s. So, like, kids is sort of, you know, something that she's very conscious about when she's sort of meeting guys. And so the converse, the topic came up. And the dude was like, you know what? I would have thought that I wasn't ready for kids, but I've been listening to this podcast, Dad Pod, and I think, you know, and I, she was like, oh, fuck, I know those guys. <laughs> there you go. Pull the goalie, son. You're ready. <laughs> okay. So, look, Osha, you're, you've decided that's it. You've, you've, you're not having any more kids. Did you have the you had the snip, right, or am I imagining I, that? For Audrey and I to have more children would be a double medical miracle. It would be a fairly watertight, surgical intervention to have gone really 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 wrong so yeah we are done two's great two's fine and we are just ace uh how about you well it's an ongoing discussion Gemma and i prior to getting pregnant with iona actually froze um some embryos so we actually have two viable embryos on ice which and that was always the plan was like uh we'll have these as our backups because we froze them when we were much more younger and less technically geriatric (laughs) Yeah. So they're they're virile young uh, embryos. Technically older than Iona. Wow. Yeah, I know, which is so bizarre. So that is the discussion. It's just hard. <laughs> like, oh. like we want it, but Gemma especially is like, if someone could just hand me the baby, yeah, sure. But the idea of like going through the pregnancy again and and then the you know six months a year of you know the breastfeeding and the night feeding and stuff like it's intimidating. So you know we don't have a lot of time to make our minds up we keep saying yes but we haven't pulled the trigger yet yeah. and it is funny i was at swimming yesterday and um chatting to one of the other mums uh she also just has one kid and then another mum arrived with her second kid and she just went on like a monologue about oh my god like we should have stuck to one like we're both shift workers and we haven't slept and you know the first one was great and then this one she just won't stop screaming and and it's like 
<laughs> every person I speak to has had two kids. It's like the first one's great. The second one just flips everything on its head. So, so let me let me ask you this then, Charlie Clawson. Yeah. You're the youngest of nine. I don't what, get what it. What would your mother say to you right now? Uh, I, I, I mean, look, I think I, I am by nature adverse to change. Like I, I, I'm yeah. very conservative in my approach to life. Like I often think that, you know, probably to my detriment, I probably think, well, things will never get any better than this. So let's just like be happy with your lot and don't reach for the stars. I'm sure if Gemma got pregnant, if we had another kid, it would be incredibly challenging and, and but I would love it all the same. I'm not against the idea. It's just that I, there have been, you know, recent nights, you know, uh, yeah. this year where I've been like, how the hell would I do this with two kids? Or, you know, Gemma and I enjoy a fairly, at this stage, still mobile lifestyle where we can travel. Yeah. Like one kid is easy to move around, you know. Yeah. Once you have a second kid, those roots are in the ground. So, I think Are they, I'm going to challenge you on this, Charlie. And well, they're I'm not, gonna, but it just but the degree of difficulty becomes much harder. As someone but, once said to me today, like one kid is fine, but two kids is a family, and families yeah. need stability. And once both kids are in school and all that kind of stuff, it becomes much more difficult. Don't get me wrong, Jenna. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that I, I'm against it, but like I like much like your husband, am freaking out a bit at the thought of it, but. I also know that I was freaking out prior to Iona coming along and yeah. it's been fantastic and I would not take back anything. So, yeah. I mean, mm. what's my advice? I, I don't have any. I get it. <laughs> I totally, hey, I yeah. empathize. I get it. <laughs> yeah. In the words of Bandit Healer, I get it. I get where Yasmin's coming on, but it's incredibly exciting. Like yeah. part of me is also looking at, you know, Iona now and being like, oh God, this phase is passing so quick. Like I'm not, I'm already missing you know, the baby experience and the infant yeah, yeah. experience. And they're only so fleeting all these like periods yeah. that the child enters. And it's not to say you don't love the period she's in now, but just knowing, I can understand why people are like, let's have another one because yeah. you want to go back to that, that baby yeah. bubble and, and, you know, that loved up and that excitement and all, all that kind of stuff. So I guess it's like, yeah, it's, uh, when I think about it, I feel like I could easily do it and, you know, I'd love it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the challenges presented. So Audrey and I have done this. We had right. one kid and then we chose to have another kid. All right. So I'll just take you through what I went through. So I went from being someone with no children and who my life was entirely about me to then suddenly having a 10-year-old. And within about three to four months of me of Georgia coming into my life, the man I started to see myself becoming and the man who I ended up being after about a year of being around Audrey and Georgia, I would not have traded for anything, despite how difficult and challenging emotionally and the, the learning curve and all that kind of stuff. The challenges are, are still there. You know, there's a bit more sleep involved, but there's most definitely a lot, a lot of challenges. The challenges stay. I mean, she's nearly 19. The challenges are still there. Mm. And so when it came time for Wolf and the conversation about us trying for another kid and, and pulling the goalie and, you know, getting rid of the condoms and everything, I actually thought to myself, well, who, who was I before Georgia and who am I now? And what if another child comes into our life? And with that added complexity, who will I rise to become? Who will I rise to be? And who I have become because of now these two kids and where my career is going and how my mm. life is and the way I frame everything is 
absolutely worth the stress, the sleeplessness, the the mm. cranky words to each other when there's not enough coffee. The, it's it's worth all of it because of the person I have risen to become. And that then leads me to be a better person for Audrey and for Georgia and for Wolfie. And look, your mum had nine kids. My mum had four <laughs> kids. They, you figure it out. You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll yeah. be of fine. And, and what your life will get to be will be nothing but better. No matter what yeah. challenges come, it'll be nothing but better. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I just, I remember, I think it was Bert Kreischer, the comedian, talking about, he has this duality of this, uh, he's a family man, but he has this, you know, stage persona of being this party animal and, you know, he tours a lot as a comedian and stuff. And he said that he realized he would never sacrifice one for the other one morning when he was lying in bed with his wife and I think he's got two little girls and yeah. they were just laughing and cuddling and he remembers thinking to himself, I have to hold this in foremost of my mind. So if any temptation comes along in my other side of my life that I don't sacrifice this part because this is what it's all about. And that yep. always stuck with me because there has been moments with Iona and Jem where we've all been together and it's just been blissful. And I'm like, this is what it's all about. Like everything that I do professionally, everything I do outside of this is all fine, but this is what I come back to. This is what's important to me. And so the idea of just increasing that and having more of those kind of wonderful moments and more challenges, but, you know, hopefully more of those moments to me is like, oh, I completely get that. And I think that's the exact place where we should leave it. Jenna, <laughs> you're going to be fine and your husband's going to be fine and it's totally normal. Six weeks, eight weeks actually, it was eight weeks before Wolfie was born, was pretty much when Audrey took one look at me and said, you're losing your shit, you need to get back on meds. So don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> and I did and everything was great. But it's fine, it's normal. So if your husband's having a, or your partner's having a tough time, yeah, go talk to your GP because he may need a little bit of help. I sure did. Um, yeah. But it made sure that I was there and I've since been way better at being a dad. Uh, that's a lot of email. We got through, I, I, we were trying to get through heaps of questions, but I think we've got through a bunch. That was pretty good. If you want to get us a question, ask dadpod at gmail.com or you can also get us at dadpodgram. Always great to have your questions. And I think there's a lot to reflect on today, Charlie. I mean, I learned a new word. I learned three major. <laughs> I think we also came to the conclusion that like many things, if all else fails, just default to bandit healer. When the yeah. chaos and the eruptions are happening, empathy. I know you do, mate, but we've got to go do this thing now. I know, <laughs> I know you do, mate, but we need to eat breakfast. I know you do, mate, and we've got to go. <laughs> and I think uh, what I learned from you, Osh, I learned something from you, which is uh, you have a family that was built on the fly, so to speak. You yeah. entered a existing family. And I think that is a, a really important lesson is just like you create a safe environment then family becomes a very adaptable word, doesn't it? Like there is no set definition for what a family is. As long as everyone is included and everyone feels safe, then that makes solid family. So whether you are introducing a, a partner to your ex and, and your kids or whether you are expanding your own family and one of your partners is having doubts about that, make sure everyone feels safe. Communication, that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, as long as you've got good foundations and you've got the kid's best interest in mind, you'll be fine and you'll figure it out. And who you get to be because of it will be a different you. So you also get to have a new experience of life. It'll be great. Well, there's another bit of advice that uh, a mate's dad once told me. He was like, mate, there are so many fuckheads who are parents. If they can do it, you can do it. <laughs> And there couldn't be a better way to get out. Thanks so much for joining us. Ask dadpod at gmail.com if you need us on email and dadpodgram. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Oh, uh, Osh, 
Yo. Don't forget our, our outro. Hey! Oi! Don't touch that. 